Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Every year, they give me a rope. And on one day of the year, <clears throat> I got to go through a curtain and I've got to meet a holy God. I mean, my dad was a Levite, my grandfather was a Levite, my great great grandfather, he was a high priest as well. But nobody, uh, nobody really even asked if I was going to be a high priest. It's just like, of course you're going to be a high priest. Your dad was a high priest, your grandfather was a high priest, your great grandfather, of course you're going to be a high priest. And then I get this job. I mean, one time a year, I know me, and I know my heart, and I know the sin inside of me, and I know how jacked up I am. But one time a year, I get to go represent all of these people? Yeah, it's quiet out there. Where are they at? Well, they want to tie a rope around their ankle? What I got to do it? I mean, Lord, I know that when I cross through that curtain, if I walk through there and I'm not holy, and God, you know, I've been here for a week by myself. You know I'm not holy. God, you know the sin I've got inside of me. You know my thoughts. You know my words. You know my actions. There's no way I can somehow hide myself from your presence. God, as soon as I cross that, that curtain, I just, God, I'm afraid I'm going to drop dead. You don't allow anything in your presence that's not holy, and I know me, God. You know these people. You know they lie. You know they're sexually jacked up, Lord. You know all the stupid things they do. You know the things they look at, the things they do. I got to represent them before you. Lord, you know they cheat. You know they steal. You know they're rebellious. Why I got to tie a rope around my ankle to represent these people? I'm let alone, I'm messed up enough with my own sin, let alone representing theirs. I hugged my kids goodbye this morning, Lord. Because <clears throat> I don't know if I'll see them again. God, I'm asking a favor. I'm asking you to let me come in your presence one more time and come out alive. And God, I'm asking that you will spare my life one more time as I have to come into your presence. I know it's an honor, God, but I am scared out of my mind. Once a year, the high priest of Israel had a very difficult job. One time a year, he was sent into the most holy place where God would allow the people to experience his presence, or at least as much as they could experience. And on that one day, as he went in to represent the people, to ask for forgiveness for the sins of a nation, there would be bells that were sewn into the hem of his garment. And a rope that would be tied around his ankle. Because if at any point in time his sorry carcass dropped to the ground when he, when he crossed past that curtain, they needed a way to get his body out. So as the, ever, the whole crowd went hushed and the priest began to walk through, the whole crowd would just sit and watch. Is the rope still moving? Can we still hear the bells? Is he still alive? Because at some point when you come into the presence of the Holy of God, if your heart isn't right, if your life isn't right, you are exposed. In that moment, the priest would always worry. 
Will I see my wife? Will I see my kids? Or is today the day I drop dead? I mean, I don't know what's happened between that day and now. I don't know how we've gone from this point of dissolving distance and trying to draw near to God, like it says in Hebrews 4, that we're given confidence to approach the holy throne, that somehow we've gone from confidence to outright cockiness, and approaching a holy God is no longer a sacred thing. Approaching a holy God is no longer something that makes our hearts stop. I wonder what it means to him when we no longer revere his name, we no longer revere who he is. Have we forgotten that in Exodus chapter 20, he's very clear in his third commandment. He tells us about the importance of his name. Do not defile my name. My name is holy and I'll never forget it if you do. His name is holy. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where we just say things like, Hey, Jesus, would you bless my fruit loops today? We call it his name left and right as if it means nothing. We say, Oh my God, or Jesus Christ. And we don't know if somebody was cussing or praising. We don't even know the difference anymore. OMG. I don't know, maybe it doesn't mean much to you. OMG. But you sure as better bet it means a whole lot to him. Because his name is holy. I mean, the people who experience God, you understand that if you go back to the Old Testament, when Isaiah experiences God, he drops to his knees and says, Woe to me, I am ruined. I have seen a holy God. He's terrified in that moment. You look at John in the New Testament, not just the Old Testament. John in the New Testament drops to his knees before a holy God. Moses, when he encounters God, his whole face turns white. And we walk into this place and we encounter God like we're going through quick trip. Hey, I want a little forgiveness. I'll take a little mercy. I'll take a little grace. I'm on my way out. Peace out, God. See you next week. And you think you can treat a holy God like that? Like he's some sort of a circus elephant that just dances and performs for us? Or some sort of trained bear that we can harness his power? We can harness his energy? Never forget that that bear is powerful and that, that elephant can be lethal. Never forget that God has never trained to do anything for us. He is holy, mighty, and massive. And man, church, we forget that. We forget who it is we're talking to. Do you know we don't even know God's name? We don't know God's name. No idea. Oh, yes, Jesus. I mean, the first name he goes by. I mean, the name he calls himself. We don't know what it is. I mean, some of you think, well, I think I do know what it is. Maybe you're thinking, what's, well, I know what it is. It's, it's Yahweh. Yeah, kind of. The, the tetragrammaton is uh, an expression that helps us know that we know the name of God. Because what happened is they, were, they revered the name of God so much that they wouldn't even put the vowels inside of it. All we have for his name is Y-H-W-H. How do you pronounce Y-H-W-H? I mean, we can guess. We can think we know. We can take a stab at it. But they literally wouldn't put the vowels in there because they were so sacred that they were afraid to even write his name. His name was so holy that they didn't feel worthy of writing it. So all we have are four letters. We don't even know his name because the people who preceded us considered that name so holy. Yet to us, yo, Jesus is my homeboy. Oh, my God. OMG in this text and that text. And I'm telling you, no one would have ever done that. You can't know God if you don't fear God. And I know I can talk about his love, I can talk about his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness all day long, and people want to applaud. 
But I'm telling you, you can't know God if you don't understand that he's, he didn't get a marketing agent in Malachi and all of a sudden, I'm the new improved God. I'm the easy to approach God. No, he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he is mighty. He is powerful. He is massive. He is the name above all name. That at every name we need to drop to our knees in reverence that we even get to say it and our heart keeps beating. Before that even right, YHWH, or after they did, that name meant so much to them that they would leave, wash their clothes, wash their bodies from head to toe, purify themselves, and then walk back and sit down and keep writing. When's the last time that the name of God was so holy and righteous to you that you weren't even sure you felt worthy to say it? Names like Elohim and Adonai, they're just combinations that they could somehow put together that made it okay to, to somehow find a way to say his name. If they even said things like, you know, you know, Jehovah, they literally wiped their pen down because of how holy it was to say his name. But we've lost that. We've got on this pendulum swing and this, this attempt to dissolve distance. We've tried to domesticate God. We think we can put him on a, on, on a leash. We think we can control him. We think we can contain him in a building. And I'm telling you, God is too big to contain in a building. He's too big to contain in this room, too big to contain in your heart, too big to contain in our lives. He is massive, he is mighty, he is powerful. And man, church, we've forgotten that. We roll through worship songs like they're nothing. Like they're top 40 hits. We'll try to decide, do I like that song or not like that song? Who cares about the song? It's the name that is holy. And when's the last time you reached up to check your pulse to see if your blood still flowed? When's the last time you reached up to grab your heart to see if it kept beating? Because one amazing thing is that when Jesus... Our, our provision. When Jesus gave his life on that cross, when he was crucified and buried and resurrected, that curtain, that curtain was torn from top all the way to the bottom. And at that point, it wasn't just a high priest. We all became priests. We all became a holy nation. We all became a royal priesthood. And every one of us right now get to approach a holy God without tying ropes on our feet because perfect love in Jesus drove out all fear. And we get to go near to him. But listen, Hebrews 4 says you can approach the throne with confidence, but please don't approach it with cockiness. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's creator of the oceans and the Alps and the galaxies. Jesus is not your homeboy. He caused the neurons to fire in your brain. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's the one who redeemed your life when no one else could, who saved you from the pit of hell. His name is above every other name. A name you need to revere. And a name that you try to reverent fear in your heart because of who he is. But he sure as heck is not your homeboy. And he sure as heck is not your dancing elephant or your dancing bear. And he's way too big for you to harness. And I want you to know that he loves you. And that love, because of who he is and what he's done, should drive you to your face. That you are even worthy, even worthy to utter his name. I don't understand how it happened. We lost a balance here. And church, I know he is a God of love that loves each and every one of us. And I know he's a God of grace. I know some of you guys are like, whoa, I wasn't ready for this tonight. Good. I'm okay with that. But that same God that loves you, you understand he's the same God 
that will also judge you. That that name that's above every name, listen, that name is engineer. And he's the one that caused the galaxies to keep flowing. That name engineer is the one who allowed enough oxygen from the sun to keep being replaced. That you keep get to suck in air even in this room. He is the engineer. He's the architect. That name is above every other name. As an architect, he's the one who ripped the Alps up from the ground. The one who ripped the Rocky Mountains up. He's the one who created the oceans. When's the last time you did that? You can't do that. Only God can. And his name is above your name. He is surgeon. He's the one that when cancer strikes or our hearts are broken, he's the one who shows up. That's the name that comes in to put our lives back together. He's counselor. He's the one on the late night when your heart is broken and you're crying in your pillow. He's the one who whispers in your ear. He's the one who calls out that he loves you. He's counselor and he's defense attorney and he stands on your behalf to say to the Father, I accept their sin and my sacrifice is enough and they have eternally because of my blood. He is your defense attorney. He is the name above every other name. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginner. He is is he in in church his name deserves to be feared and revered so maybe the best thing you can do right now is pull out your cell phone in a minute and throw through flow through your text and every time you were dumb enough to say omg i didn't mean it that way it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether or not you meant it that way it's his name It matters to him. He says, my name is holy. He says in Jeremiah, do you think you'll defile my name and show up in my house? Don't come into my house defiling my name. His name is holy. And why he loves you with absolute passion. He doesn't abdicate his glory. And while he rescues you from the deepest pits of sin, He does not abdicate or abandon his holiness. Therefore, neither will you. So go through your phone, and every time you write, OMG, drop to an easy, God, I'm sorry. I don't know what in the world I was thinking. I repent. Or through every song that we sing right now, every time that name is mentioned, maybe you need to quiet down for a second and reach up and feel your pulse. Reach down. And make sure that you're still alive. Because every time you utter his name, you go to the same place that that priest went. And praise Jesus. Literally, praise Jesus that because of him, nobody here has got to tie a rope around their ankle. Church, right now in worship, you are going to meet a holy God. A God you don't domesticate a God you don't tame, a God who's redeemed you. And by God, I hope you know exactly who it is you're going to meet. Do you know where you're about to go? You might want to think twice about your attitude as you walk in. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.